Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello, uh, folks. Uh, welcome to uh, Season 4 of uh, Wisdom of Friends. And I'm really excited to be introducing you to Dr. C. Ronald S. Williams II, who is the founder and senior pastor of Mount Zion Fellowship in Highland Hills, Ohio. Dr. Williams founded Mount Zion on January the 2nd, 1983, with 15 persons in attendance. Today, Mount Zion has approximately 1,500 members He has directed the development of numerous ministries that minister to those inside and outside the church. Dr. Williams is also an accomplished gospel, music composer, arranger, musician, and musical director. From 1977 to the present, he has recorded with the Messengers of Peace. He's also performed with the Cleveland Orchestra and given concerts with such gospel artists as Donnie McClurkin and Kirk Franklin. He has performed at the Cleveland's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Playhouse Square, and has appeared with Barry Manilow at the Blossom Music Center. Dr. Williams is also an accomplished author with four books to his credit, and he holds two doctoral degrees, Doctor of Ministry and Doctor of Divinity. He has studied in the United States at Livingston College, Ashland Theological Institute, Trinity Theological Seminary, and at the Institute of Holy Land Studies in Israel. Pastor Ron, as he is affectionately known, is a devoted, loving father to his two sons, Clifton and Christian. Friends, uh, this is a fascinating conversation uh, with a remarkable man who lives a life of authenticity and transparency and a story that he shares about finding his voice and helping others find their voice. A very inspiring conversation and I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Pastor Ron Williams. So good morning, uh, Pastor Ron. This is Cal Ross, and uh, welcome to the Wisdom of Friends show. I'm really excited that you took some time out of your busy schedule to be on this program. And uh, let me start off with my uh, first impressions of you. It's uh, We got introduced through our common mutual friend, uh, uh, Terry Wolf, who's our uh, publishing agent. And she spoke very highly of you. And then once I uh, did a little bit of research on your background and what you've accomplished in life, and it has been so fascinating that uh, I knew right then that you'd be a great guest on our show. So uh, I really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brother Carol. It's good to it's good to be on your show. And you're right, uh, Terry is Terry is my sister, and I love her dearly. Great. Uh, one of the ways, uh, Pastor Ron, uh, we kick off our show is by asking our guest a simple but uh, profound question, and that is, what is your favorite quote or philosophy that you live by, and how have you applied it to your life? If if I had, I think I have many philosophies uh, that I try to apply to my life, but the main, I, I, I believe the 
most prevalent and pronounced one would be that of truth. Um, I, I did not know when I was a child and my mom and dad would take my sisters and I to the Cleveland Art Museum. And in the museum, sometimes they would have abstract paintings. And I never liked them. I never understood them. And that's where I be believe um, the genesis of my quest for truth began. Um, didn't quite understand it at that time, uh, but I did learn and I was able to pin and put in words years later that um, in the absence of light, truth is abstract at best. But when the light is turned on, uh, then the truth is revealed. I, I don't like looking at anything, having to try to figure out what it is. And so, therefore, um, I am not a, um, I'm not a proponent of abstractness. Uh, even although I'm a musician, even with music, jazz music just confuses me sometimes. I like it, but it confuses me because I can't make out which way the chord structure is going. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I, I just like, you know, I like the classics. I like things just plain and simple. This is what it is. Either you love me or you hate me. This is just playing what it is. No, wow. Now, that is uh, really uh, a beautiful answer. And what I'm hearing from your sharing is your philosophy has been uh, pretty much uh, comes down to uh, the truth. And that's been your quest since your childhood. And it started with yes, your parents taking you to the art <clears throat> museum where you would get exposed to some of the brilliant abstract art. But... Uh, it did not uh, at that time did not register for you, but that really uh, picked the curiosity for you to like really pursue uh, the truth, and um, that's how your journey began. And so that brings up another question for me, uh, and I'm really curious: is what did your parents do, and uh, where did you grow up, and how would you describe your childhood? Um, probably one my childhood describing my childhood would probably be one of hiding. Although I uh, wanted to step out into the light, I, it was one of hiding. Uh, uh, the beginning of my life was in a small country town uh, in uh, rural South Carolina. And we lived off the fat of the land. I came from a very religious family, um, but I have learned um, that there is a big, big, big difference between religion and spirituality, a big difference. And uh, when I think about my family, there were do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts. And I think as it relates to my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I have learned that it's not about do's and don'ts, it's about wills and wants. And so when I think back to my upgrowing, up, uh, upcoming, my mother, oh my God, uh, my mother passed in 2012, and I, I'm still crying, quite frankly, because although she did not do everything right, no parent does everything right, I knew Mama loved me. Mama loved me in spite of, my mother was a school teacher. Uh, she was... Um, a charter member of the Delta Sigma Theta sorority and um, Johnson C. Smith University. My father was a minister. Um, 
uh, my relationship with my mother, frankly speaking, was much closer, uh, unbelievably close, than my relationship with my father because uh, my father, he was a consummate pastor. I don't know how good of a father he was to me. Um, he, I never saw my father outside of a three-piece suit, a shirt, and a tie. He even took me fishing one time with a three-piece <laughs> suit, a shirt, and a tie. <laughs> you know? um, um, my grandparents were people that lived off the land. I mean, I used to pick rows of cotton so long, you couldn't see the end of them all for a quarter a day. I sat on the black side of the doctor's office, the black side of the train station. I drank from the black water fountain, or the colored, as they say, water fountain, down there in South Carolina for years until uh, my parents brought uh, us north. My father was already up here, pastoring uh, in Ohio. And so I think in my youth, um, seeing uh, how strict and straight-laced my family was, for example, um, there was no cooking done on Sunday. All cooking had to be done on Saturday night because on Sunday, uh, nothing uh, could be done that was considered work. If a storm blew up, um, a rainstorm outside, uh, if it was thundering, my grandmother had what we called a storm holler. She would call us all in, and we had to sit in the long shotgun hallway until the last bit of thunder was rumbling, rumbling off in the distance, because they believed that when it thundered, God was talking. Mm. And uh, so, because they believed that, I believed that. And I remember Brother Cal saying to myself, I wish God would shut up because he was scaring me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, so, and so, my parents, how do I say this? The one of the reasons, if not the main reason, why I love my parents so much, although my father passed in '92, my mother in 2012, I love them so much not because they were perfect. I love them because they did the best they knew how to do. Mm. No, that's so beautiful. Uh, what a beautiful uh, sentiment uh, that you just shared with us here, and. Uh, and that, uh, and I want to kind of go back to your earlier statement there. It seems like you grew up in a, a religious uh, household, and that had a massive influence on your growing up and your point of view of life. But you mentioned something very interesting. Um, that is, uh, you discovered early on that there's a difference between religion and spirituality. Uh, oh yes, sir. Yeah, could you could you uh, elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, because I think that's a fascinating uh, point of view, according to uh, me. So, could you tell a little bit more about that? Yes, sir. I'll try. Um, one of the reasons when I finally answered what I believe to be the call of God to uh, go into uh, some form. Of ministry was after, I mean, after I answered that call, I had to get to seminary. I had to learn the languages. I had to, I majored, I mean, my minor was uh, Hellenistic or New Testament Greek. And I had to uh, go into the Hebrew and Aramaic 
in order to learn some things. And one of the things I've learned um, is that religion, for example, is taken from the Latin word religio. Mm. And, and what it means is the thing I am bound to, the thing I have to do. In other words, my religion could be religiously washing my car every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Uh, that's a religious practice because that's what I do. But when it comes to the things of this great God that I serve, uh, and by that I mean the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when it comes to this God, I've learned that I cannot be stuck in the confines of religion or religious attitudes because God is not religious. Jesus did not come to teach us religion. He came to teach us relationship. And if our relationship with God is right, then our religious practices will be right. And so when it comes to religion and God, I have to go back to what the Scripture says, the Gospel says, that God, in I think it's John chapter 3, I believe, God is spirit. And they that worship him have to worship him in spirit and truth. And so it didn't say God is religion, and they that worship him must re- worship him with religion, because your religion may be right. For example, Brother Cal, it was religion that brought down the World Trade Tower Center. It's religion that's caused all of the crusades in the world. It's religion that makes people power hungry. But when you it comes to relationship and spirituality, then that's a whole different ball game, and you got to spend time with God to know that. That, uh, <clears throat> thank you for sharing that. So uh, that's beautiful. And uh, what I really am hearing here is religion is basically comes from the Latin word religios, uh, and it could it sounds more ritualistic and uh, it's got a lot mm-hmm. of dogmas to it. But spirituality is really uh, is about relationships and your personal journey with God, and, uh, yes, and that that's uh, that's a whole other dimension. And I really like it. And for the benefit of the audience here, Doctor William. Uh, holds uh, two doctoral degrees, Doctor of Ministry and Doctor of Divinity. He has studied in the United States uh, as well as an abroad at the Institute of Holy Land Studies in Israel. And uh, he's also a published author of four books. So my question to you is, uh, Pastor, on uh, <clears throat> how did you know, was there a moment in your life that... Uh, you knew that ministry was calling to you as your uh, career, as your profession, or as your mission in life. Do you recall that moment, or what what compelled you to choose this profession? Uh, Are you ready for that? (laughs) 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 Okay. Brother Cal, this is how it started. Um, As a child down in South Carolina, uh, my cousins would go hunting sometimes with their BB guns, and sometimes they would shoot a bird, and I would get so upset with them. And I would take the bird. Let me tell you something. I was um, the family, the undertaker, and the pastor. <laughs> I would take the bird, put the bird in a box, bury the bird, and pray over the bird. My cousins thought I was weird. Um, I didn't know what was going on. And then at the age of 13, I was my father's chief musician in his church. 
And I knew there was something on me, but I didn't know what it was because I was scared to death of funerals. I was scared to death of um, of dead people laying in caskets. And I said, I'm not going to ever do this. But then when I was in seminary, not seminary, but undergrad school, I I, um, had a dream one night. And then it, I think it was a dream. It may have been a vision because I think I was awake and I couldn't move. And I saw all these people sitting in a church. And then it's, it's like it was a movie and the camera switched up to to the pulpit and it was me behind the pulpit. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. But the next day I got up and I wrote what I thought was my first uh, sermon. I can tell you what it was. Uh, it was entitled Finding Peace in the Midst of Hell. Hmm. And um, I, I, I was about 19 years old then, although I felt a call much sooner than that. So upon graduating from uh, undergrad school, I had planned on taking a job in Florida. But after graduation, my parents got in my car and demanded that I take them home. I don't know if I ever really forgave them. <laughs> <laughs> the and so I brought them home. And I was miserable. Miserable. Um, here I am with a four-year college degree in 1974, sweeping streets at the airport because that's the only job I could get. And then my father got me a job at a factory. Well, it was at that factory Sometimes I would come home and I would hear, I would literally hear someone calling my name. Uh, Sometimes it was Clifton. Sometimes it was Ronald. Sometimes it was St. Clair. And I would say, and the only two people in the house at that time were were my mom and I, because my father was pastoring in Chicago by that time. And we would go over on the weekends to be with daddy. But I would say, mama, did you call me? And she would say no. So this went on for about six or seven months. In uh, 1976. And Mama, uh, one day, I said, Mama, I heard it again. Oh, this time it came St. Clair. It came very deeply. And I said, Mama, did you call me? She said, no, son, I didn't call you. She said, son, come here. So I went downstairs, my bedroom was mad. And she looked at me and she said, listen, next time, no, let me change that. Let me change that, Brother Kelly. That was not 76. That was 74. It was in July of 74. And she said, next time you hear that voice, just say yes, Lord. Mm. Well, about a week later, I heard it again. And I said, yes, Lord. Brother Cal, I have not heard the voice since. It was, you see, I had been in church all of my life. I had played in choirs, written songs for a long time. But I did not have a personal relationship with God. My relationship with God was through my parents. And so... One of my friends invited me to a revival, a young man from Los Angeles, California, uh, at one of the Baptist churches here in town. Uh, he was the revivalist. And 
I, that was the first time out of all the times I had heard it before. That was the first time I heard in my spirit, you must be born again. And that was the day I accepted Christ and the same day I entered the ministry. Wow. That is uh, indeed a fascinating story there. <clears throat> and uh, you mentioned uh, your uh, gospel music, and I kind of want to touch base on that a little bit here. So my next question to you, Pastor Ron, is how did your interest in music start? Well, uh, going back to South Carolina, uh, our church's name was Mount Zion Presbyterian. It was a shoot-off from, there was a large uh, Presbyterian church in uh, the West. Uh, it was basically populated with white people, but when the white people got tired of the black people, they gave the black people some money to build their own little church. So we were Mount Zion Presbyterian, and we were in, and oh God, could those folks sing four-part harmony. I mean, without an instrument at the time. Mm. And we were in church one day, and the morning hymn was, Come Thou Almighty King, help us thy name to sing. And I, when we left church, I came home, and our front room, what they called the parlor, we had an old upright piano. And I jumped on that piano, and I don't know where it came from. I must have been five years old, maybe six. I just started playing. And my grandfather started marching down that center hallway because he was a bass of bar nine. And he was singing the bass part to the song. And he kept saying from the hallway, more bass dot, more bass dot. See, he would call his daughter's dot. He thought it was one of his daughters on the piano. Mm. And when he walked in the front room and saw it was me, <laughs> he started screaming everybody else came running and they started screaming they scared me so bad I almost never played the piano again and so that's where it started and so uh, my parents could not afford to give me uh, piano lessons hmm. so whenever I could find a piano I would just step on and start playing so by the time I got by the time I was 12, I was in Cleveland at the time, uh, my parents got a piano teacher for me. I would practice at the church that my father was a pastor. But the piano teacher, his name was Mr. Jack. And Mr. Jack said uh, to my parents, I cannot do anything with him. He already plays better than me. And his style is set. And so uh, from there, let me think, when I was 16, no, 15, because I graduated from high school at 16. When I was 15, that's when my parents could afford a second-hand piano. And I began to practice at home as much as I could. So that's where it started. Hmm. That's uh, really great. And uh, just so that uh, for the benefit of the audience here again, Dr. Williams is an accomplished gospel music composer, arranger, <clears throat> musician, and musical director from 1977 to the present. He has recorded with the Messengers of Peace, and he's also uh, performed with the Cleveland Orchestra and in concerts with such gospel artists as Donnie uh, McClurkin and Kirk Flank Franklin, as well as uh, appeared with Barry Manilow at the Blossom uh, Music Center. So uh, this is really an incredible uh, background you have, Pastor Rodden. And uh, so my next question to you is, uh, how would you describe 
your music and and the follow up to that is uh, why gospel and not R&B or soul music well the truth is um after when i was in college i did try i thought i was going the R&B route i had done I don't know if your audience will be old enough to remember this person, but I had done a few gigs, as they were called back then, with Isaac Hayes. Um, I had a group <laughs> called Ronnie and the Ronettes <laughs> <laughs> when I was in college. And those girls could sing, too. I couldn't sing a lick, but they could. I would write the music. And so um, after college, I met a man in New Rochelle, New York, um, I'll just call him um, Mr. Smith. That's not his real name, but I'll call him that. And he was, he told me he was Roberta Flack's first piano teacher. And so he hooked me up with her. And I was ready to go R&B all the way. Hmm. Although I knew there was a call in my life, uh, I just knew I was going to be the next Isaac Hayes. But uh, that was all blocked. And so at that point, I started a group called The Messengers. And we were the first um, international recording group in uh, this particular area. And uh, from there, I just began to write. Uh, and and I just changed it. I just, I just gave it all over, I guess, you know. Mm. That's, uh, that's really great. And uh, so who inspires you musically today? <clears throat> there are um, there are two people whose music has probably been the greatest inspiration for me um, down through the years. One of them yet lives; the other one has gone on to be with the Lord. Hmm. The one that's gone on to be with the Lord uh, was uh, Walter Hawkins. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Edwin Hawkins years ago, Oh Happy Day, Oh Happy Day. Um, that was uh, Walter's brother. Mm. The, the other one today, and I think one of the most prolific and God, uh, spiritual and inspirational songwriters there are but Richard Smallwood. Mm. Uh, Richard Smallwood is just uh, he's just a ministering genius to me. Um, we all came around the same time. Uh, they went big time. Uh, I remained uh, you know in the ministry. Um, I wrote a song back in the 86, and it was called Hallelujah. And I wrote it the last moment before I recorded it, and it has become probably the most popular song I've ever written. It, it has been recorded by at least 20 different choirs sung all over the world. Mm. And as many times people have put on their recordings, writer unknown. <laughs> no, the writer's not unknown. I'm the writer. <laughs> I wish they were singing. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would swim in my money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, no, wow. Sir. That's, I uh... me, I, yeah, I called BMI and asked, I said, where, look, all these people recording my songs, 
I said, seems like I worked at Family's Edge. Well, man, well, I'm just, I'm still waiting. <laughs> that's uh, that's a great story. Uh, I'm going to switch gears here, uh, Pastor Ron, and I'm going to ask you uh, this next question. And this is, you know, we've had many guests on the show, and uh, and one of the questions that uh, I'm really curious about is when you look back at your life up until now, what would you say was that breakthrough success moment for you? And what I mean by that is the turning point uh, when you know, life was never the same again moment. And, uh, you know, when your career, your trajectory and everything changed from that point on and to its uh, massive success. That's, a, that's a, a good question. And it's also a difficult question. But, Cal, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I had a breakthrough moment. Hmm. Um, um, I knew... When I entered the ministry, uh, the preaching ministry, that my life would not be the same. Um, the struggle in building this edifice here in Cleveland, which is probably still in the archives of some of the newspapers here in Cleveland, um, when we came in here, whew, uh, the only way I can describe it, there was so much jealousy coming from other pastors and political leaders and things of that nature until I had to make the decision to be at peace with what I believe God had called me to do. So if I had a breakthrough moment, I think that would be it. When I got to the place where I was at peace with what God had called me to do, not that I am always in a peaceful state. But as far as what God has called me to do, I know that. I know that. And, 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 and no one can change my mind on that. No, it's, uh, that's uh, great and very inspiring to hear that. And uh, yes. so the next question is, uh, you know, we've had, as I said, uh, guests on the show. And one of the things that we have noticed uh, for all these extraordinarily successful people is that they've had some incredible setbacks and challenges. Uh, however, oh, yeah. when people look at it, you know, they think that it's a massive failure. <clears throat> but for them, it was just a a platform uh, as a stepping stone to take on even bigger challenges in life. So my question to you is, what was one or two biggest challenges that you faced in your life and how did you overcome it? And most importantly, what were the lessons that you learned from them that helped you navigate going forward? Uh, one of the biggest challenges, no, the biggest challenge in my life, um, Brother Carol, was my sexuality. That was the biggest challenge of my life. Mm. Um, in that, from a child, according to what people said, and what was even in the scripture, mm-hmm. especially, I was going to hell, period. Uh, that's the thing that kept me out of the ministry for so long. Um, upon starting... But I still kept it under wraps, um, even when starting this particular ministry. I kept it all under wraps because I did not want to be a deterrent or detriment or bring what I thought would be shame to the name of Christ. Mm. I kept myself 
to myself, um, never uh, exploring anything. Or just, I just knew who and what I was in that regard. And so the pain, I mean, to the point where I tried to commit suicide at one point, um, I never felt good enough. Uh, I always felt dirty uh, because of what I knew was in me, and it wasn't anything I'd asked for until, my God, um, my father died in 92, and my father took so many secrets to the grave with him. Um, when we put his body in the tomb, I mean, I made a vow to God that uh, in the event my sons had to lay me down one day, they would not have any questions. <laughs> they, but that was not um, answered. And so I would have to say that. Wow. So, uh, so the lesson that I'm hearing is that being absolute, absolutely authentic and transparent, and uh, there's no secrets uh, left behind. Uh, it's such a yes. such a beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, lesson right there. Uh, now, the next question is: uh, Who were your mentors growing up, or whom did you look up to, or wanted to emulate? And uh, mm-hmm. uh, any any particular people that uh, that you want to give a shout out to that's made a profound influence uh, in your life? Well, most of those people have gone on to glory now. Um, beside my grandfather, my mother's my maternal grandfather, and my father to some degree, um, there was the Reverend Lawrence Roberts in Nutley, New Jersey. Uh, your audience may not be familiar with him, but uh, he, he was the pastor of uh, First Baptist in Nutley. He that was the church where um, James Cleveland, Reverend James Cleveland, recorded uh, his most famous song, quite frankly, called "Peace Be Still" with the Angelic Choir. And um, many people have recorded it since, but nobody did it like James Cleveland. Reverend Roberts, once he learned of me, would fly me up to New Jersey about twice a month just to play for him. And the man was so profound. He was, he was such a good preacher. I said, if I ever do this thing, I want to do it like him. You know, mm. uh, Reverend Roberts would have been one. Another, believe it or not, and I do not even know him, never met him, don't know if I ever will, would, would, would be Morgan Freeman. Mm. Um, just to watch the movies he's put out and the integrity he walks in. Uh, it, it blows my mind. Um, it does. Um, I, I could probably go on and on, but my list of heroes, frankly speaking, is, is not that long because I, I, I look for people who dare to walk in godly truth. Mm. 
That's that's so beautiful, so beautiful. And uh, you mentioned Morgan Freeman. I mean, I haven't met anybody who is not a fan of Morgan Freeman. I mean, it's just uh, <laughs> he, he, he what a what an inspiring and incredible man and uh, beautiful. Uh, he left a beautiful brother, body Cal. of work. Yeah, I tell you this. If he ever does another movie, I want him to include one of my songs. I'll come and write it for him. That's uh, so great. Uh, now, you mentioned travel. Uh, what's your favorite place to travel? Uh, uh, any any particular place that you value uh, much uh, in uh, in your travels? I know you went to Israel and... Uh, and you've traveled domestically within the United States. So any, any particular place comes to mind that's your favorite uh, spot? Okay. You ready for this answer? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Brother Cal, you know, it's really funny because I am a homebody. I thought, I thought for a long time that my favorite place in the world would be due west. South Carolina, where I was born until, you know how when you're a child, you think your family is a certain way and everything's a certain way, but the older you get, the more you see. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, well, uh, well, the U.S. is no longer my favorite place. Um, if I, where I would love to come, where I would love to go, this is one of the few places I haven't been in this country. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's really kind of strange. And that is Seattle, Washington. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, Seattle, it rains a lot, they tell me. They tell me the weather is similar to England. And whenever I see a movie that's based in England or somewhere over there, it's like I, I lived there or something before. Um, as far as the places that I've been outside of the country, my favorite place would have to be the old city of Jerusalem. Mm. Um, I, it's like I'm in the presence of where Jesus walked. You know, I mean, I, I, I love the, I, did, I don't like Jordan. I don't like touristy spots. I don't, but the old city. Now, in this country, now, this may sound very contradictory to what most people believe about men of God. But I believe in this country, I believe, as far as where I've been, uh, my favorite place would be Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm. I want to hear a quick story, Brother (laughs) Sure, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Brother Cal, one time, because, let me see, I've been pastoring... Mount Zion here in Cleveland for 34 years. Mm. In those 34 years, I have only missed four Sundays. I believe a pastor needs to be with his flock. It's just my own belief. I don't put down nobody else. It's just my belief. Mm. And so um, one day, my brother, as I call him, and my he's really my CFO, but he is my brother. He really is. And another trustee and my personal assistant who takes care of our business, they said, Doc, we're getting you out of town. We are going to, I think, they said the Bahamas. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we, we got in the car after church and we drove to the airport, got to the airport, found out, couldn't go without a passport. Hmm. None of us had our passports with us. 
And so uh, my brother looked at me. He said, well, we're not going back home. You got to get away from here. We're going somewhere. And so the only thing smoking out of here that night was going to Las Vegas. Hmm. And I said, oh, we can't go there. I heard so much bad stuff. <laughs> 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 and so I really believe it was orchestrated by God because when, when, we, uh, when they were getting the tickets, the lady said, you know what? I'm upgrading all of you all to first class. That was my first time flying first class because mm. I had kept my salary very low, very low, uh, in order to build the ministry. And so we're flying through the night, flying through the night, and then all of a sudden, as we're coming into Vegas, it's like the sky lit up. Mm. And I said, Where am I? And the plane landed, and we found a hotel right off the strip. And I'm I'm scared because uh, I don't have any money. Nobody told me to bring any money. <laughs> Wait a minute, brother. And the people, I'm expecting to see all of these prostitutes and drug addicts. I'm telling you, brother Carol, I didn't see as many prostitutes there as I see where I live. Hmm. And and I'm walking and I'm walking around, and then I went out to this place called Red Rock. It's in the desert. And it felt like I was back in Israel. Mm. And I said, I love this place. Mm. I love this place. Now, could I live there? I don't think so. I don't think so. Not because there's anything wrong. I just like a change of seasons. Mm. And um, it, when it comes to any place else in the country, uh, uh, you know, put it like this. Brother Cal. If I was a millionaire and had a lot of money, I declare I would buy me a house on the coast of Greece overlooking the sea and be happy. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's a good, uh, definitely a good spot. And you mentioned Seattle. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I've been in Seattle now for close to six years. And uh, so, oh, you're any, in Seattle. yes, so anytime uh, you make a visit, please, uh, you know, I'll definitely uh, like to. Uh, uh, it would be great to uh, connect in person and uh, yes, show sir. you around the place. So it's a beautiful, beautiful place. It. Yes, indeed. Uh, I would love it. Great. Uh, so uh, moving on to our next section, and these are some of the questions we have received from our audience. And uh, I wanted to start off with our first question for you, which is, in your opinion, Pastor, uh, what stops people from achieving their full potential? Oh, they don't have faith in themselves. Mm. No, no, no. That may sound weird, but oh my goodness! If you, if we were to read through the scripture, especially uh, where I focus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, usually, not every time, but usually, when Je- when someone was healed, Jesus said, "Your faith has done this for you." It's not. That I did anything, I'm, I've just been the conduit for your faith. I mean, I've seen the same thing here at my church. I mean, I've seen people healed, I mean, completely healed from AIDS, lung cancer. I have seen legs grow out because people had faith in me. Follow what I'm saying? And so their faith in me translated to their faith in God. Mm-hmm. And so... If God tells me to do something, listen, Brother Kelly, I'm, 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 
I'm pastoring a church where our house, our church house, could not be built in the city. Everybody thought us. Everybody thought us. But I knew that God had faith in me to build this thing. So I can't do it if I don't have faith in me. I got to have faith that what God said to me is what God wants me to do. So therefore, I got to have faith in me. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense, Brother Cal? I like it. I really like it. And I think, uh, you know, it, uh, I was reading uh, something the other day and it uh, basically uh, said something very similar, which is, you know, have faith in something or someone that is uh, bigger than you or a higher yeah. self because yeah. skepticism is easy, you know. And, Listen, uh, <laughs> Brother Cal, I have learned from my pastoring and dealing with people. You know, but our lives, I'm listening to you, our lives are jacked up. Things that happened to us 40 years ago are affecting us today. When people walk in insecurity, and many of us do, when people walk in fear, I tell people, please don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of nothing, because that which you fear, you worship Mm. Whatever you're fearing, you're worshiped. That's mm. why the scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so what I'm saying is that if I can how do I walk above the fray of my insecurity, my past trial, my past pain, my past heartache, not that it's going away. I just got to find a way. Oh, here I am. I'm sorry. I don't mean to get preachy, Brother Cal. I got to find a way to walk above the fray. If I can walk above the fray, that don't mean I won't get shook up again. That does not mean I won't hurt again. That just means that my faith in God is so strong until I have faith in myself and I can deal with this. That's beautiful. Really beautiful. And, uh, the next question for you is, what was the best piece of advice you have received? I think, mm, oh, my, my precious mama, Lord have mercy. Um, tell me not, Shakespeare, tell me not in mournful numbers, life is but an empty dream, and the soul is dead that slumbers, but everything is not as it seems. Mm. Life is real and life is earnest, and the grave is not its goal. Dust thou art to dust returneth, was not spoken of the soul. And then another um, poet wrote, um, uh, when you're up, watch this, against the struggle, meet us squarely face to face. Lift your head and set your shoulders, plant your feet and take a brace. If the worst is bound to happen, spite of all that you might do, you may fail, but you may conquer. See it through. So the best advice hmm, I think I could give anybody, and I'm not, uh, this is just my opinion. If you believe that God has called you to something, regardless of the opposition, see it through. Mm. Mm. Ah, that's beautiful, and I really, really like it. I think it's really uh, being in tune with good God's will and following, uh, following your yes, purpose sir. and following your passion. Uh, yes. The next question for you is: What is the lesson that took you longest to learn? 
be willing to make a mistake. Mm. Mm. Be willing to mess up. Mm. Be willing. All of my life, Brother Cal, I've been a risk taker. I teach my church to be risk takers. Even if other people do not agree with you, as long as you believe you are in the will of God, take the risk. Take it. Mm. Take the risk. Our ministry would not be here if I had not been a risk taker. Mm. That's uh, that's that's great. That's a great learning moment for all of us. Is uh, keep be do not be afraid to make mistakes. Keep on uh, taking yes, risks. Uh, and uh, yes, you know, it's uh, one of the things that I, I look at my life is you know when I when I make those calls where when I, when there are risky moments and the outcome is not to my liking, it's only feedback. There is no failure. And uh, thank you. And yes, that's sir. that that's that's so great. Uh, now, I, mean, I want to kind of, yes, go ahead. I just want to share this with you. Check out David and Goliath. Everybody knows that story. Mm. Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. But, you know, we sensationalize it. We don't get the real truth of that story. Because we're so busy trying to be deep, we can't see the practicality of it. When David went up against the God, it was a real key took, Brother Cal. But, you know... Brother, let me ask you, not, not, Brother Cal, if you don't mind me giving you my take. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Do you ahead. know who the first giant David had to kill was? He had to kill the giant in himself before he could deal with another giant. Mm. Mm. Think that's, about it. Uh, that's, that's great. That's such a beautiful metaphor. I like I'm sorry, that. Brother Cal. No, this is you got great. me going. You got me going now. <laughs> no, this is this is pure gold, and I'm sure the audience will appreciate this. This is great. Uh, and then uh, I, I want to kind of like get into uh, some of the speaking and uh, pastoring. I know as a pastor, you speak to uh, you know hundreds of people, and uh, most of our audiences here are artists and professionals and executives who work on their speaking craft. And so the question for you is, in your opinion, uh, what is the art of creating an impactful speech or a sermon or delivering a message? And how should one go about preparing and, uh, you know, excelling at this craft? Um, I do not believe there is an absolute to that question. Answer, I'm sorry, in order to answer that question. Uh, As it relates to me, every week, whether it is midweek service or Sunday service, I'm going to put between 20 and 30 hours into every teaching or message. Um... I'm praying my way through. But I have found that my most, what appears to be my most impactful messages are those that I have prepared for. But when I get up, um, it just leaves me. And because I've studied, I can wing it effectively. Because when I take my mind and my eyes off my notes 
and try to tune into the spirit, then I can hear what God is saying and not what I wanted to say. Mm. That's uh, that's great. Uh, as someone once said, you know, there are three levels of speaking. It's the first level is uh, you're you're really uh, focused on yourself, and the second level is it's about you're focusing on your message. But the third level is you're focusing on the audience. But I think uh, what you just talked about is you really the, the another level to that is really connecting with the source and being an instrument for the source. Uh, so that yes, uh, that's that's really even uh, even beautiful. Uh, Oh, so uh, and here's uh, my personal curiosity: as being a pastor for so many years, now what are the top things that you wish you knew more about when starting out in this profession? People. <laughs> <laughs> People. <laughs> I can say it. I can't say it any better, brother. Cal. Just people and people. And, and when I say people, I am including myself. I wish I had known me better. I wish um, I had known the nature of people. You know, about mm, 15 years ago, I was in uh, therapy. I believe in that. I needed to talk to somebody. And so one of the things that uh, the doctor told me, he told me this, and I'll never forget it, as long as I live. He said, let me tell you what your biggest problem in life has been. I said, what's that, Doc? He said, you thought everybody else was like you. Mm. They're not. They're not. He said, and when you think everyone else is like you, you think they're going to respond the same way, give the same way, love the same way, the whole nine yards. That's not how it happens. Mm. I had to learn that lesson. I, I really did. That's great, really great. Uh, I want to I want to touch upon uh, your latest book, uh, and I know Dr. Williams. Uh, for the benefit of the audience here again, this is uh, you know you published four books. So tell us about your latest book and the the message that you would like to leave the audience with with that book. The book is published. The message is be who you are in God. Be who God has made you to be. Um, it is an expose on truth. That's the best way I can say it. Um, you know, Brother Cal, uh, how do I say this? Uh, I know that if there are some hardliners out there listening to what I'm saying. They are not going to like me. I know that, that. They are not going to understand what I'm saying. I've been in this thing too long. But you know what I have realized? The same people, Jesus, that don't like me because of my truth are the same people who would not have liked Jesus. Mm. Think about it. Mm. Brother Cal, can you imagine what would happen if some man came in your church today and read the scripture and said, the scripture has been fulfilled this day in your hearing? Mm. Hmm. Can you imagine what would happen if somebody said to you, eat my flesh and drink my blood? Mm. Think about it. Mm. Do you know how crazy that sounds? Mm. And 
folk, that's why Jesus was crucified. Folk couldn't stand his truth. And everybody who walks in truth, believe me, there is going to be a mob developed that's going to try to destroy you because of your truth, especially if your truth is from God. Mm. Wow. <clears throat> and here's, here's another question uh, that is, uh, it's a hypothetical question, uh, Pastor Ron, and let's say we are a time machine, and if we could go back in time and talk to your young self, an 18-year-old self, what advice would you give him? Say that again, I'm sorry, I didn't understand. This is like, let's say, uh, if you could go back in time, and talk to your young self, your own 18-year-old self, what advice mm. would you give him? Oh, Shakespeare again. To thine own self be true. Mm. I like that. To like thine own self be true. That would be the advice. I cannot tell you, uh, Brother Cal, the pain and the hurt I've been through in this life. But you know something? I have learned, oh God, I've learned to take every trial, every pain, every storm, every challenge, and try to find God in it. Because mm. <laughs> if it hit me, it had to come through Him first. Mm. That's, that's, that's great. Really great. Very inspiring. And, uh, it's amazing. And so uh, we're going to get into our next section uh, in the interest of time here. And this is the rapid fire round. And I'm going to ask you a bunch of fun questions. It's the first response that comes to your mind. And of course, uh, feel free to elaborate on it if you uh, would like to. But again, it's the rapid fire round. So are you ready, Pastor Brother Ron? Pal, before, before you go to that, uh, would you mind if I said something? Absolutely. Yes, please. I, I sense this so strongly. I pray I'm right. I pray I'm right. But there's somebody who is either listening or will be listening who is in pain right now. Now, that's not prophetic because a lot of folks are in pain. Mm -hmm. But what I want to say to those people who are, stop focusing on what's wrong and start focusing on what's right and you'll feel better. Mm. Okay. No, that's I mean, great. No, that's great. I, I like that point, and it's, it's what you focus on expands. I think it goes to the universal yes, principle, and uh, that's that's really great. Okay, so uh, yes, uh, moving on to a rapid-fire round, and uh, so our first question for you here is, uh, what is your favorite music band? Um, um, these days, do you still sing music? I'm a <laughs> who, who would be? I'm sorry, brother Cal. You know all the all the rappers and things. I don't even know if they sing anymore. But I'm gonna have to go back in time. My favorite would have been Earth, Wind, and Fire. Hmm. Mm. What's your favorite musical instrument? Piano. Hmm. What are you most afraid of? Not pleasing God. Mm. I'm most afraid of, oh, God, that's, mm. uh, I don't know, I don't know if Terry told you, brother, uh, Carol, but I'm a kind of, I can be kind of emotional sometimes, but I'm most afraid of, 
standing before the throne of God and him telling me I did not fulfill what he told me to. Mm. Wow. Um, Here's another one. If one artist was to perform at your church or at your party, who would get that call? Richard Smallwood. Hmm. Do you believe in magic? Ah, that's a good one. Brother Gal, you want to hear something weird about me? Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> I, I know this is a fire round. I know this is a fire round. Do I believe in magic? No. I think the world is filled with magic. I think the very fact that you and I woke up this morning was magical. And I'm not saying that to be uh, deep or ethereal or anything like that. I just think that magic is so... No. If, when I was growing up, they used to tell us, um, watch the root workers or watch the voodoo workers. Watch the, no, 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 no. They cannot do anything to you unless you believe they can do it. And so what I'm saying is that my answer quick, fast, and hurry, is yes, I believe in magic. And I believe that magic is miracles, and I believe that miracles come from God. Mm. And the next question is, uh, the three most important things in life, according to you? Um, can I start with my relationship with God? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. God, my children, purpose mm. uh, it's, uh, it's beautiful and profound uh, and the last question within the rapid fire round and that is if you could have any message of your choice on a billboard what would that be hmm. I think that message would hmm, would be hmm. can I give you two can I have two please absolutely <laughs> <laughs> we'll just change the font on it so it fits on the billboard. <laughs> I think the first would be what I told you earlier. Uh, in the absence of light, truth is abstract at best. Mm. But when the light is turned on, you can see everything in the room. Mm. That would be the first. And I think the second would be in light of what happened in Texas yesterday, something I heard an old woman say that it, it just riveted me because I knew it was so true, hallelujah. And that was, mm, God is still on the throne. Mm. Mm. Wow. Uh, we're going to... That uh, that finishes the rapid fire round, and we're going to move on to our last section, which is the wrap up section. And I have loved the final three questions for you, Pastor Ron. And that is the yes, first sir. question is, what is your current personal or business passion project, or uh, that you're working on, or what are you looking forward to in the next six months to a year from now? Hopefully, to find a publisher for this new manuscript. Hmm. That's one. Another would be at the beginning of the year, we're going to have a prayer service here at the church, a citywide prayer service, 
for what's going on in our country and this world. Um, and I'm planning on putting out another worship CD. Mm. That's great. Excellent. And then we'll include uh, all your uh, church links and uh, and the show notes so that people can reach you and find out more about uh, the church and uh, the service and your music uh, as well. So uh, the next question is, what are three things you're grateful for in life today? Um, I'm grateful... I'm thankful, number one, for two of the best sons any father could ever have. Um, they are the beats of my heart. Uh, the second thing would be, um, I'm such a good-looking man. Let me tell you, you go find out. I ain't got too much strength. I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> the second would be that God has used me uh, to his glory and that I have such a wonderful congregation of praises and worshipers and, and just, I don't know if I have a one, two, three, uh, they are on the same level. And the third would be I was privileged, I was privileged beyond measure to be born to a woman named Mary P. McAdams. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, because, like I said, although Mama did not do everything right, she did the best she could. And if I could go back in time and know what I know now, I mean, I was good to my Mama. I was so good to my Mama, but I just wish I could just hold her one more time. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I do. So. Great, excellent. And, and so I want to acknowledge you, Pastor Ron, for a couple of things here. Having researched your background, having heard your story, you know, one thing that sticks out for me is just your generosity and your commitment uh, to God and uh, your work that you do day in and day out with uh, transparency and authenticity. And and secondly, what I'm also hearing for you uh, from you is your love for the arts and the music, uh, and and you know following the creative pursuit of music and gospel music that has given us the community and the audience to enjoy music a beautiful dimension uh, that we may not have explored half if you had not uh, gotten into music. So that's really an amazing thing that you do. And and finally. Uh, the most important thing that I hear from your sharing tonight is your love for your children. Uh, they are your beats of your heart, and as you said, and so, you know, you're really uh, being a role model for a lot of parents out there as to, uh, you know, really being the the father figure for your children that they can look up to and what it means to uh, dedicate one's life to a purpose, a calling, uh that is uh, that is bigger than themselves. So really, thank you for uh, for just being an amazing uh, uh, human being and being you, Pastor Ron. Thank you, sir. Uh, I, if I may, I want to just 
share this very quick story with you, Brother Cal, if you have time, that is. Absolutely, yeah, please. About my baby boy, Christian got married about three weeks ago. And about three months ago, he called me. He lives in Atlanta, and he said, Dad, I need you. He's never done that before. He said, I need you to come. That was on a that was on a um, Thursday. I left that Friday morning going to Atlanta. When he picked me up at the uh, airport, he was kind of like anxious. He said, Dad, you got to relax you with me because he knows I don't like to go anyplace. He says, you're with me. You're with me. You got to relax. I said, son, I'm relaxed. I haven't said anything. You're the one that's anxious. He said, he looked at me, he said, you know, Dad, you're right. <laughs> so we went to his house, and he he was very fidgety. He kept going back and forth, calling his brother. So he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, Dad, you set the bar. This is right before he got married. He said, you set the bar so high. I said, what do you mean, son? He said, you just set it high. He said, I don't know another father like you. He said, I don't know another pastor like you. I don't know anybody who could be as good a friend as you. And I'm listening to him, and I'm saying, son, where is this coming from? I mean, I appreciate it, but he said, Dad, I'm just glad that I can call you my father. Mm. And so it hit me, and I said, Lord, I don't know what my baby's talking about, but what I do know is that if I can be there for him, Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Mm. That's beautiful. And so, Brother Kelly, I'm going to stop bothering you, but that's, that's just what it is. <laughs> but thank you so much, Brother Kelly. I pray to God that one day, sir, I can meet you. Absolutely. It, it would be an honor. And uh, one final question, and this is how we wrap up all our interviews, and that is, uh, why do you think people should listen to the wisdom of friends? Mm. I'm, you, you use the key word there, Brother Cal, wisdom. Wisdom. The wisdom of friends. I have to answer that, uh, that kind of mistake if I can. Um, uh, for example, in the Old Testament, we read of a man who lived even before Genesis was written, and that was Job. And Job had three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Ophah. And all three of them thought they had wisdom, and they didn't have anything. They did not have what Job had. So therefore, if you are going to have someone you listen to, make sure that person has lived more life than you have. Mm. When a person has lived more life than you have in sincerity, in honesty, and in truth, then that person can help you. But no matter what advice you get, Filter it through the spirit of your own person and see if that person's experience has been um, what yours is because we all handle things differently. And so when it comes to the wisdom of friends, oh, there's, there's, a, there's a blessing, there's a favor in the counsel of many uh, 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 friends and those who have been 
certain places. But the problem is, when it comes to Christians, if I can say it like that, uh, the problems I find with Christians is that everybody got a word from the Lord, and you don't know the Lord is as well as I do. On the other side of the coin, I'm a pastor, okay? You come to me for spiritual guidance. If I can, I'm going to give it to you for nine yards. But if you come to me with a legal issue, I'm going to send you to a lawyer. I think when it comes to wisdom, we need people who have experienced what we're going through. Mm, that's that's and great. And came out successfully. Yes, absolutely. That's so great. And uh, again, thank you so much for your time and candid answers. Uh, really appreciated and valued our conversation. And with that, we'll wrap up. And for those of us who are listening, if you like what you heard, please share and don't be shy. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Cal Aras. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, theglobalcontribution.com. To your friends and colleagues, be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous episodes. This has been a Seven Symphonies production. Join us next time for another edition of the Wisdom of Friends.